Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is surprise guest Joseph Lupton. Hey, Joe. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, Bruce. Okay, so. Pretty good. There's a few things we could be talking about this week. Uh, we do have the Fed up next week. Uh, we do have, I think, a lot of issues to be talking about in terms of inflation. But what I guess I'll start with is the issue around momentum and growth. Um, we are obviously seeing a pretty sharp shift after last week, after the fourth quarter, excuse me, looks like it delivered some very strong growth. The end of the year saw significant downward shift in momentum. We know the Omicron drag is working through the global economy. So I think, you know, one question to really focus on right now is what is the data telling us about how sharply we're going to go down? And what are the risks here that we might get something that's larger than what we're bargaining for. We we are forecasting a decent downshift. We still have global growth projected to be above trend this quarter. And of course, perhaps more importantly, we have it bouncing back pretty quickly into Q2. So what what's the kind of the, the dynamic of sliding now and um, how would you evaluate it? Well, I think it just in, in terms of things I'm worried about, first of all, before even on the, on the tracking side of things, you know, you mentioned the Omicron, that's the, the clear and present danger. Um, you know, inflation is probably the thing I'm a bit more worried about, which we kind of have been, I think actually last quarter, we, we talked about things were going to step down from the third quarter pace and <laughs> fourth quarter ended up being uh, one of the, the, the strongest as it moved up. And I think, yeah, things are probably still going to step down this quarter, but probably not by as much as we thought. And that inflation headwind, I think, is a big part of some of the slowing we saw in the consumer in the second half of last year. And notwithstanding Omicron as a part of the threat, I think inflation is a concern and food inflation is becoming more of an issue. I'm sure you're happy to hear me uh, acknowledge food inflation is a is a source of pressure. So those are the, the, the concerns. In terms of what we're seeing, I, I think it's as you said, you know, we are seeing signs of momentum loss. The, the fourth quarter data coming out as a whole looks good. The China number was actually quite good. It was much stronger than we thought, 7.5% quarter on quarter. Uh, next week, we should be getting the U.S. quarterly number of, of 7% as well. Those are those are gangbuster numbers. But it's the that momentum you mentioned of the slowing of a particularly of a consumer into December that looks soft. And the China numbers were soft there. U.S. is certainly going to be uh, soft. And then you look at the high frequency numbers on mobility, and that also has come off a lot with a big caution on that because of the seasonal issues on these high frequency stuff. But nonetheless, those mobility numbers seem to be falling even more than what we've seen around the turn of, say, last year. Yeah, so the the consumer is starting to slow with the December numbers looking weak. And for what it's worth, off of the information we have, we're looking for a 1% real decline in uh, consumer spending in the U.S., uh, next week. Um, but I guess the question right now is how far does this uh, drag, whether you want to focus on the inflation side or the Omicron side, it's happening. How far does it run? And I, and I guess the focus here, from my perspective right now, is on Asia, where um, you know not only do we have a threat um, as the uh, Lunar New Year holidays are coming up, but we also have the threat to another round of supply chain pressures. So how, how would we evaluate that that situation? Uh, carefully. Uh, <laughs> All right. Be careful, Joe. <laughs> 
No, I mean, look, I, I think as, as you know, as, as, as listeners, viewers know, you know, these are the high frequency space, you know, has a lot of stuff, but a lot of it is quite noisy, particularly around this time of year. So we're looking at the, 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 the supply chain bottleneck stuff on transportation prices and ship volume port you know, uh, snags and all this type of stuff. I think it's, it's hard to track it in real time, particularly around the turn of the new year, particularly in Asia where you have the lunar new year and you have, uh, also the Olympics, uh, picking up there. I think the, the most important question for kind of the outlook is how much of this is going to be a near term story versus something that we have to worry about, you know, for the second, third quarter so it's getting off track on the expansion. I think for now we're, we're still, kind of feeling like we're we we have the strong fundamentals i think there's a lot you can point to on the uh, omicron being a very concentrated and and sharp hit but one that seems to be rolling over and for what it's worth case counts globally are have peaked they're they're coming down now and that was that was very rapid up and a big up but it's now coming down quite a bit so uh, that you know, will fade. I think the bigger kind of comes back to inflation, how I started. Yes, things like energy, we think we're going to get some stability there, notwithstanding some tail risks. But, you know, what does core inflation do? Are we kind of things getting ingrained into expectations? Are we seeing wage pressures that are going to start to fuel more price pressures? That's a huge wild card for us and a huge wild card for central banks. Well, I think we should separate the issue around the more persistent sources of inflation, which will matter, but won't necessarily be that much of a factor in terms of both the size of the first quarter slowing in growth and whether we're right that we get a rebound off of it. But some of the the things that are really moving in the inflation space right now are, are not just related to Omicron or pandemic supply chain pressures, but they're related to some other things here that could be adding new and potentially large uh, drags. You know, supply shocks that raise prices can be damaging. We have a, a set of concerns around the energy markets right now. We have a set of concerns which are uh, also starting to build in the food space. Uh, you, you noted earlier that I'm happy you're talking about food price inflation because you usually want to dismiss it and I usually want to talk about it. So let's, let's, talk, you're about, hungry. let's talk about food prices <laughs> right now. And, and energy uh, markets, too, for that matter. Yeah, well, look, I think um, those two go hand in hand, by the way. I mean, there is a huge part of, of ag prices that is driven by energy as a key input uh, to kind of the, the, the manufacturing of food. So we shouldn't lose sight of that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you look at the whatever food price index you want, you know, you've, you basically have had three big spikes over the last 20 years. One was right before the GFC. The second was in 2011, which, of course, you know, was a part of the Arab Spring and kind of sparked a lot of social unrest as food prices moved up uh, quite significantly across the Middle East. And then the third is the one we're experiencing now. So ag prices are actually up to the levels we saw back in 08 and 2011. So that is certainly something that I think we need to be mindful of and the and the pressure that puts, particularly in emerging markets where food is just a, or ag input prices are a bigger input to the consumer basket. Um, so that that's certainly a concern. The energy price, of course, natural gas prices have been a big part of the story last quarter. I will note those have come down, right? Both, um, you had a little bit of a pickup in the US, but those are actually back down. Henry Hub prices 
are down. TTF prices in, in uh, Europe are also down. But of course, that's just one cold snap away from shooting back up in a world where supplies are very light. Yeah, but I think the the bigger issue here is whether geopolitics gets in the way. And I think, uh, you know, there we come to the issue around uh, Russia, Ukraine, and if there is a uh, armed conflict there, whether the sanctions that are put on by the U.S. Um, and our European allies start to create problems for energy supply globally. That's the risk. That's a an echo of things we've seen historically that have created problems for the global expansion. Uh, I, we're not going to go into the details now because we don't have the time, but we did, I guess, what was characterized as a war games effort this week to try to model that. And, and certainly the exercise shows that you can have some pretty big negatives if you got um, a supply shock in energy that was uh, spilling over to oil. Now, having said that, and I think it is important to distinguish, that's a risk. And while you're correct in noting that um, energy prices are linked to food, the movements in food right now are moving in a way that's not lined up with what crude oil prices are. That partly reflects the pressure from natural gas prices, which have some impact on fertilizers and and some other parts of the food market. But it also reflects the fact that there are other things going on as well, including some crop disappointments, uh, including um, dynamics on um, substituting uh, some crops for biofuels in, in areas where natural gas is a problem. And of course, the transportation uh, cost issues, which are more broad around the pandemic recovery. Um, let's end just on the note of central banks. Um, we have a a lot going on and we have a lot up next week. Uh, so let's just quickly go through what we're expecting in the central bank space next week. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, the big one, of course, is the Fed. And that actually should be a relatively quiet meeting because we're setting ourselves up for what we think will be, um, you know, a March hike and an end to balance sheet expansion. And I guess the hope would be that uh, once we get the minutes from this meeting, that we start to learn a little bit more about how they're thinking about the balance sheet, uh, what it means from a policy perspective, and then some of just some of the, the mechanics around it. So, um, you know, but beyond that, certainly we're not we're not looking for any type of rate uh, action at this meeting. We probably think the odds are relatively relatively low of anything like that happening. That's Let me just jump in here and say, well, well, it's interesting you use the word quiet because I think what you're saying is we and almost everybody are expecting very specific shifts in communication on the Fed. So um, if we get that, it'll be a, a non-eventful meeting, but the, the Fed does need to deliver both on the guidance on the balance sheet and on rates here, which are fairly significant changes in terms of what we're going to see uh, from last meeting. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll hopefully, get that and and it be a quiet meeting in terms of hitting expectations. Uh, and- that's that's actually that's a really good point, Bruce. I mean, it's it's basically the market has kind of market and us have kind of already moved quite a bit, and and the expectations the Fed is going to kind of just come into alignment there so that we're not looking for any big surprises there. Um, you know, similarly, we do have, uh, you know, some of the central banks that have already been moving. We do have a Bank of Canada, which we think is going to be hiking next week. Uh, that will be, I think, an important addition to, uh, you know, places like uh, Bank of England, which has already started a, a hiking cycle. Places like Norges Bank, they've already started. Bank, uh, RBNZ has started. 
Uh, and so the you know the the kind of the gradual shift to normalization I think is is beginning here and will continue with with next week's Bank of Canada action if we're so right. Just to end, we're we're kind of running out of time. Uh, we also have flash BMIs next week. Uh, does that does that reinforce this message of a downshift? Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think it's. You know, it's going to be a little disappointing, even if expected, in the sense that we got that December report, which made us feel pretty good from the manufacturing side, which kind of every sub indicator, everything was kind of right about that. Um, uh, the manufacturing side of things, we got a little bit of a move down in services that was kind of expected in, in the face of, of, of Omicron. But the overall picture, I would have said, is was fairly constructive. I think the the, the January flashes that we get for the, the G4 economies here is, is going to be a bit of a step back. Um, and particularly if you look at the manufacturing space, you had four straight months of increases um, and this will be kind of a, a pullback from that. Um, and then the question is, I think it's going to be the magnitude of the step and, and reading some of the tea leaves around the inventory picture, some of the delivery time pictures to, to really try to understand what is happening on some of the, the, the supply chain issues and how much Omicron is kind of uh, resurrecting some of those, those, uh, those drags. Okay. So on that bright note, I think we'll uh, end for this week. And, um, Thanks, everybody, and let's just continue this conversation next week on J.P. Morgan TV.